Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Chinese President Xi Jinping is calling for deeper cooperation among BRICS countries to jointly build a better world. Thailand's parliament has voted for property mogul Seta Tevesin to become the next prime minister. And evacuated residents in different parts of Canada wait to return home despite progress on containing the wildfires. Starting in Africa, Chinese president has delivered a speech at the BRICS Business Forum in Johannesburg calling for deeper cooperation to build a better world. The president has expressed his confidence in the development of BRICS countries. Sun Ye has more. South Africa's president wasted little time railing against protectionism and unilateralism. In the statement, Chinese President Xi Jinping repeatedly called for more cooperation, including advancing expansion of BRICS membership. The Chinese comments were met several times with applause. We are in BRICS not by accident, because we have hope, we have desires, we hope that BRICS will grow. I welcome very much the Chinese declaration, the declaration of President of China, and because it encourages everybody to 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 start and to to to, to join to make a, a different a different world. That was Sun Ye at the BRICS Business Forum in Johannesburg. BRICS expansion tops the agenda at the Johannesburg Forum this year. Brazil has signaled its openness to admitting new members. Paulo Cabral has more. Brazil is the largest economy in Latin America. It's an agricultural powerhouse, one of the world's biggest food producers and exporters. The country also boasts a significant industrial sector, though many businesses struggle to stay competitive. And it has a vast consumer market already buying large numbers of imported products, often from China. Being part of the BRICS group helps Brazil expand its commercial relations. I believe BRICS is an important political uh, project, but it but can be also an important economic platform. When we look uh, to the members of BRICS, specifically China, Russia and India, uh, and maybe South Africa in, in such ways, we have, we have three important uh, markets for Brazilian products. The group held its first summit in 2009, minus South Africa, which will join later. That was during the second term of President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Now, on his third government, Lula is showing his readiness to work towards strengthening BRICS. President Lula recently made clear his support for the acceptance of new BRICS members. I think it's extremely important that we allow other countries that fulfill the BRICS conditions to be allowed in the group. I think that from a global perspective, the BRICS group could play an exceptional role. There's also hope in the country that relations with BRICS countries will help Brazil to receive more investment, especially from China. Our country has huge needs in the area of infrastructure, railways and waterways for example, and BRICS countries have vast experience in this area. This could benefit us, and at the same time, it would help Brazil to expand its market, and export more commodities to these nations. 
Lula's government has already made clear its support for a global South foreign policy, which favors relations with other developing nations. The BRICS group is an important instrument to help implement such a principle. That was Paulo Cabral in Sao Paulo. More from Africa. Libya's central bank has announced its reunification after being split for nearly a decade due to civil war. Atlao Maruki has more. After nine years of division, Libya's central bank is finally unified. The agreement was reached as leaders of the central bank in the east and west of Libya inked the deal in the capital Tripoli this week. It drove hope in the North African state that this could be the beginning of a series of political reconciliations that may reunite the whole country once again. This agreement is primarily a political settlement. It came as a result of the numerous committees who have been negotiating for months. Rival Libyans are coming closer together. Tensions appear to be diffusing slightly. Libya's central bank has the answers for many issues the country suffers from. It can settle the monetary policy, forex rates, printing money, and it can also facilitate wiring money between Libyan cities, which is vital for the economy and paying salaries. Currently, the central bank is the only body unified between the east and west of Libya. Regional and international organizations and powers endorsed the agreement, as well as leaders of Libya's rival factions. Economically, however, some analysts doubt that this step would have a significant impact on Libya. The central bank's leadership remains the same, which means that the central bank will still serve politicians. It will pay for their budgets, expenses and salaries, while the Libyan people suffer with a monthly average salary of 100 US dollars. Therefore, the central bank governor must leave, so the policies would change. We are a rich country with poor people because of these policies. As division has been shattering Libya since the break of the 2011 uprising, Libya's central bank split into two administrations in 2014. By 2017, the eastern side of the central bank had been printing currency independently from that in Tripoli. As a result, the Libyan dinar plummeted as inflation spiked. The local currency went from 1.25 US dollars for the dinar to 5 dinars for a dollar in the official market and up to 12 dinars in the parallel markets. Between these mixed feelings of hope and disappointment, it is still not clear how will the bank be governed if its leaders split over some policies. And while that unification may or may not last, it is still so far a rare step that shows that Libyan rival factions and leaders may agree after all if their interests are aligned. That was Atla Maruki reporting. In Asia, Thailand's parliament has voted for property mogul Seta Tavison to become the next prime minister. The vote ended three months of political deadlock in the country. This came as former Bhutai party leader Taksin Chinawa returned home after years in exile. He was taken straight to jail to serve an eight-year sentence. Charawat Yunjiranan reports from Bangkok. Thai Party PM candidate Seta Tawisin has garnered enough votes to become Thailand's next prime minister. The Thai 11-party coalition has got beyond the numbers they expected, winning with 482 votes. The next steps to establish the new government are expected to be relatively quick, as a royal ceremony is announcing Seta's win. And it will be interesting to see how the government will form and operate as the coalition contains remnants of the former military-led government. 
the huge turnout of Thaksin Shinawatra's supporters greeting the former prime minister shows that there is still strong support for the Thai Party founder. Thaksin, meanwhile, has started serving his eight-year prison sentence. The 74-year-old former leader has been admitted to a hospital unit of the Bangkok Remand Prison due to his old age and underlying illnesses. After being away from his home country for 15 years, his presence remains to be a pivotal one for the future of Thailand. That was Charawat Yunjiranan in Bangkok. Turning to North America now, Canada has made some progress in containing the wildfires that have been burning across the country since April. But many people who were forced to leave their homes are still waiting to return. Mark New finds out the reasons. In British Columbia, evacuation orders have been lifted in a few areas, allowing some people to return home. But even as firefighters make progress, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is blasting Facebook. In June, Canada passed a law requiring tech companies to pay Canadian news organizations if they share their work. Facebook has begun blocking news in Canada, something Trudeau calls inconceivable at a time when people need information on the wildfires. But right now in an emergency situation, where up-to-date local information is more important than ever, Facebook's putting corporate profits ahead of people's safety, ahead of supporting quality local journalism, this is not the time for that. At evacuation centers across Canada, thousands of people from the Northwest Territories have been waiting for nearly a week to get word whether they can return home. Here in Edmonton, the capital city of Alberta province, the influence of Canada's indigenous people is all around. In fact, the fires have taken a significant toll on that population. In the Northwest Territories, there are 45,000 people living there. Roughly half are indigenous people. With her daughter and two dogs, Debbie Mills of the Von Tut Gwich'in First Nation, evacuated from Yellowknife, driving 17 hours and passing through the hamlet of Enterprise to make it to Edmonton. It was really sad because you could see all the burnt areas. And once we got to Enterprise, that's when you saw 95% of the homes were burnt. Eddie and Mary Adele Chocolate of the Clicho First Nation are also stuck in Edmonton. In order to get to their home in Gamati in the Northwest Territories, they need to catch a flight from Yellowknife Airport, which is currently off limits. But now uh, all the attendees, I heard they're, they're parking in Edmonton, so there's no, no use going back to Yellowknife and, and try to catch a flight. There's no flight at all. It's all canceled, they say. So we're, you know, um, we're far away. Some evacuees were reluctant to leave their homes in the first place. Tracy Terrian said she wanted to make herself an essential worker by cooking and cleaning for the firefighters. But friends finally convinced her to go. I'm more concerned about the workers that are left behind to add that extra stress of having to be rescued or evacuated because they have the most tremendous job break. Now they don't need that additional problem. For now, she's taken on a new job, helping to make sure the evacuees feel cared for in their new, but hopefully, temporary residence. That was Mark Neal reporting. To recap the top stories, Chinese President Xi Jinping is calling for deeper cooperation among BRICS countries to jointly build a better world. Thailand's parliament has voted for a property mogul Seta Tevesin to become the next prime minister. And evacuated residents in different parts of Canada wait to return home despite progress on containing the wildfires. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. 
For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tianyu. Thank you for listening.